Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for our third Grand Tour of the Year, our big ultimate Vuelta Espana 2023 preview with this episode presented to you by Morton, one of our new partners it starts in barcelona we're going in person we'll be there at the i don't actually know what grande par is in spanish um <laughs> which is bizarre because i don't speak italian but i know it's grande partenza um you can clip that but in in italian for the giro but we're going to barcelona for the ttt technical one starts there and they're heading up to andorra for stage three in the first week of this welter what do you make of the parkour benji which i think just an overview is very different to last year's, especially in the third week. Exactly. So a bit of a recap. Last year, the third week was a weaker week where we did not necessarily see the decisive terrain where you could take minutes, for example, where you could upset the GC significantly. And when I look at this parkour, I feel like it's an evenly matched week throughout. And the start is already kind of pretty hard if we take a look at week one, starting off with a team time trial. And moving up directly towards the Andorran region, where you've got the likes of Arinsal as a finish, which is a, a pretty tough climb towards the end of that stage. And the stages in between are hilly stages with some flat stages, but the hilly stages, mountain ones in there. And week two, same story. They kind of travel towards the Valladolid region, I would say, in week two. But I feel like they just go back to the Pyrenees the first chance they get to, to get back into the mountains, to get to the likes of the Tourmalet. And those stages are rough, big mountain stages, but also, once again, medium mountain stages. And there's a lot of those Unipuerto, so Unipuerto, a single climb at the finish line, Rampa and Humana stages. And I feel like some of them look like carbon copies of each other, but we'll deep dive into each and every single one of them later in this podcast. And then in week three, I'd say... They go through Asturias to the left side of Spain a bit, and then through Angliru a bit south, and there's a combination of rough climbs like Angliru and combination of rough medium mountain stages like stage 20, you'll see. But overall, looks like a very difficult Grand Tour, and I feel like we've got a very solid start list to begin with. So in general, we're up for fireworks. Very, very difficult route, and, you know... Going back into France, which is interesting, two stages in, in France and using the Tourmalet from the other side uh, to what was used in the Tour de France this year. That's one of the hardest stages in cycling this year, stage 13. Yep. So that's not one to be missed. Like that has Spandel where Poggy attacked Jonas last year, preceded by the Obisque. That's a brutal short stage. So short stages... I see really big raid opportunities in a few of these stages, like 14 yeah. and stage 20 is the Javier Gillen special after Fue un placer, señores. You know, bueno, yo me quedo por aquí. He wants to replicate the Miguel Angel Lopez getting off the bike, losing third position. That's why that stage 20 <laughs> is in there. Um, because, yeah, that's another brutal stage where you do not want to be 10 seconds ahead defending that jersey on that stage with a weak team. So, And there's also, you know, replete with 
I don't even know if they're Caden Grove sprint stages. Some of them aren't hard enough. Like, what is a sprint stage in the Vuelta? What even is the sprinter in the Vuelta? Honestly, no, none of them have turned up. I agree. None of them have turned up. But if we take a look at the parkour, I reckon there's a lot of opportunities for yeah. sprinters because the majority of these Actually, sprint yeah. stage, at least like three or four of them, have like two hills that are like 3%. And I'm like, they're soft. My grandma can get over that. So, well, maybe not. You're right, actually. There's not so many that are preceded by uh, quite a difficult, like a 2K, 10% climb in the last 10Ks, which the Tour de France has started to use a lot. And obviously, we've buried the lead as well. This, Remco said it in the interview last week, maybe this has a better, the best start list of any Grand Tour this year, any stage race this year, with the two Jumbo yep. Visma leaders joining forces, Roglic and Vingegaard, to compete against last year's winner, Remco Evenepoel, who looked good in the Jira before he got COVID. The young buck, Juan Ayuso, is UAE's probably A1 leader, supported by Almeida. Mas is always good in the Vuelta, three times second. Thomas, who was second in the Giro, is prepared really seriously for this. So the start list is really, really good. The only top guys that are missing, I would say, are um, Poggy yep. and Adam Yates. But they've got Ayuso here and maybe Hindley and O'Connor. So super stacked start list. Uh, I can't wait. And yeah, it's we're, we're going to do this as normal. So we're going to do discussion of the favorites and their teams, then into the sprinters and their teams as well, then into our patented stage-by-stage stage analysis of each stage, some of which we know pretty well and, and all the rampas in Humanas that they have. But before we get into that, I want to mention our partner for this episode, Morton. I first heard about Morton, I think about three years ago. I bonked really, really hard. It was at a Costa Seda down when I lived further south in, in Andorra. And people said Morton gels because they're light. They're easily palatable and digestible. And so I got onto them there. And then they've made a big splash in the cycling world. And what Morton is and why it's different to other brands is it's allowed a complete rethink of the amount of carbs that a cyclist or any other endurance athlete can, can tolerate without causing stomach problems. Because the gel or there's a hydrogel that encapsulates the carbohydrates. And so you absorb more of those carbohydrates and you have less likelihood of gastrointestinal distress. So that's worked really, really well for me, particularly when, you know, one of the gel 100s, for example, has 25 grams of carbohydrate, two of them, and I can put a drink mix. I really like the drink mixes, the 160s. You have two gels and a drink mix 160 uh, in my little hiking vest. That's lightweight. I don't even notice it. To be honest, the biggest thing for me is the texture. I don't like syrup. I don't like the sweet, sticky <laughs> rubbish on my yeah. fingers, on my pack, in my in my expensive 300 euro jerseys that you can't get any cheaper than a jersey. Much gel, more gel-like, much cleaner, less mess, especially when riding. All natural, no colors or preservatives. Morton's used by Jumbo Visma for a few years now. Team SD works, so both teams that won their respective Tour de France's this year. And the Morton Bicarb system has obviously been a key talking point recently, especially at the Giro and Tour de France. So for the next 72 hours, Morton is giving you LRCP listeners a one-time 20% off code to use on morton.com for orders of gels and drink mixes, everything except the Morton Bicarb system. Enter the code Lantern Rouge, all one word. Don't forget the E at the end of Lantern with a capital L, Lantern Rouge at the checkout within the next 72 hours to save 20% off your Morton order. But the hydrogel range is growing. So wait 
until the later in the in the uh, Vuelta Espana. We'll have some more news on the uh, hydrogel range from Morton in a later episode. But thanks to them for supporting the show and LRCP. Favorites, Benji. Who's your favorite? Before I tell you the betting odds, who's my favorite? It's difficult. I'm gonna start <laughs> off by saying it's difficult because it all depends of which form each rider arrives at. Yeah. Because Jonas Vinga is on paper, if you look at the the paper, if you look at the data and so forth, he's the best GC rider in the world. So if he arrives at top form, he should win this race. But he's done the Tour de France. He's probably done some some events afterwards with the sponsors of Jumbo Visma. Had to go probably to the Visma headquarters and so forth. Probably had to do some after tour criteriums a few times. So combine all those things and you've got a rider that lost maybe a tiny bit of preparation. But I also believe that they're professional enough at Jumbo Visma to have a proper preparation, even though... Debatable. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> they, they are about to fucking send me a text. <laughs> <laughs> He's about to punch you in the face. Nah. <laughs> no, he didn't do an altitude camp, did he? Correct. I so think. he hasn't done his Tour de France prep. Yeah, it's not that the same. That is true. It's not the same, and it's also a shorter period, so there is some uncertainty there. And Fingal's also the, not the most consistent rider throughout the year. He's been more consistent this year than last year, though, so that is there. But let's hope he doesn't arrive in Paris-Nice form, otherwise he's not the most competing rider in this race. But then Roglic, yeah, he's one of those riders where... He's won a lot of races this year. I feel four stage races, the ones he turned up at, the likes of Tireno, the likes of Catalonia and so forth. 11 races, I think. Ooh, crazy. So in those four stage races, Tireno, for example, got to talk about that for a second. He won, in my opinion, as a consequence of there being headwind, for example, on the, on the big mountain stage. Because he was being dropped at that moment. Then he played it very defensively, very smart. He's been riding so smart this year. And it really has favored him in some occasions because that's the reason he ended up winning Tireno and then Catalunya. I reckon he was also one of, one of the two stronger riders there, but I also feel like he rode very clever there. So in a sprint, for example, he's got that principle now where he launches, then he sits up a bit, and then he launches again and it surprises everybody and it, it basically tricks everybody. And that's how he wins stages a bit more chance than, than usual. And he's riding really smart this year. Now, when it comes to... When it comes to last week in Burgos, for example, I was expecting Roglic to win Burgos. He didn't drop everybody completely necessarily. He hasn't dropped like, anyone this year. Yeah, and has that's he gone like clear once thing. this year? Good question. I don't unless think you he has. count unless you count dropping Remco in the last kilometer at Catalonia once, but no, that doesn't count. That's a sprint. Yeah, I don't know then, because that's the, the Burgos thing. Yeah, he's clearly trying to do the least amount. To win yep. the race. He's not trying to drop Adam Yates with two Ks to go. So you don't know where his limits are. So he's really difficult to assess. And yeah, in terms of their overall team, Jumbo Visma, they bring a ridiculous squad, frankly. Um, the two, <laughs> the two, you know, people who won the two Grand Tours earlier this year, Vingegaard Roglic, supported by the ultimate uh, Lieutenant Sepp Kuss. Well, he's American. I'll say Lieutenant uh, Kelderman Van Bala. Kelderman in, you know, decent shape of the tour, maybe better here. Walter has been very impressive this year. Hesink is sort of the, he's the flat ruler actually. And then Jan Tratnik, who had that awful crash when he prepared for the Giro. He looks, in photos, he looks as skinny as Roglic. Yeah. So, crazy stuff. So, I'm so hyped. Yeah, I was very, I, 
I loved Trudnik last year. I liked uh, in Bahrain, he was an insane rider, particularly in the Vuelta. And if you remember the Covadonga stage, you know who was chasing in the valley after Coyari Omena? The group behind? Jan Trudnik. Olympics. So, Olympics. Incredible rider. Um, but anyway, the team's kind of an embarrassment of riches to the point where work those two working together and the overall overall strategy is actually going to be a very very fine balance um do you think they're too light on rulers benji or is hexing that guy and is the the, the vuelta is not the tour i agree with that last statement the vuelta is not the tour the other teams also have limited rulers so we've got the it's kind of a relative thing you have to have rulers relative to other teams and relative to the terrain and i feel like the terrain is a lot of medium mountains hills big mountains and it's not necessarily the rulers that will decide this race either i feel like so from ball plus Hessing plus Stratnik, you can't complain with riders like that the 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 best thing about these riders is that they can do both the climbing and the ruler type even kelderman can do flat ruler shit if he requires to do yeah, so yeah. so it's kind of like they might be climbers on paper but they've got a ruler skill next to it and that's something that for example let me try and find the name. Even even Soler can kind of do that for UAE, but that's less on paper than the riders that are on Jumbo Visma, for example. And then even if we look at Quick Step, there's a few riders that can do it, like a Cataneo, but less than what I see in a in a Trotnik and in a in a Van Bale, for example. But overall, well, it's this like is Oliveira. a very strong team. That's why Oliveira is so good in the Vuelta. Yeah, because he he he's perfect for that, and Castro Viejo too for Ineos. Like you, you wait, it's so Nelson. Hilly. Nelson, 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 okay. yeah. On Mulder, There's so, three yeah. here. <laughs> True, yeah. The th are they, they're not related. Um, but yeah, the Jumbo Visma team have the two top favorites. I'm not sure about that. Uh, Vingegaard's the, the overall favorite in the betting at, at uh, $2. Roglic is actually second favorite at $3.25. Quite a bit ahead of Remco, who's at $4.75, which we'll get to his team now. I am surprised by that. Like, yeah, I just... Think Remco may be a little bit better, uh, but then we'll get to his team, which might be the reason for that. Benji, Avonapol leading quick step. They announced it yesterday. Vavaka, Cataneo, Bagioli, Jan Hirt, James Knox, Casper Pedersen, Peter Seri. Where is Alaphilippe? Where's Lampard? Where's Asgren? Where's Van Wilder? Four of his best domestiques on the team, uh, on the overall quick step roster, are not here. I was shocked when I saw this team announcement. I'll be honest. Same thing, it's not the strongest team they can put in this race by by a long shot, but I'm also of the opinion that, yes, 100%. Von Wilder, we saw an article, for example, in the last two weeks that he was saying, he was once also referring to the fact that he doesn't really want to work for Evenpool every single race, which, if you're young, I can kind of understand that, even though in the Vuelta he should probably get in line. But the main reason he's not at the Vuelta, according to the articles, was that he doesn't feel ready to do two Grand Tour preparations in a year, which, if they assess that that is the right thing, uh, outside, I, can, I cannot be like, oh, he must ride two Grand Tours per season, even though I would hope that he would, because it's such a major difference for Imco to have on Wilder there versus not. And the rest of the team that is here, like a Cataneo, like a Bajoli, I don't really know why Bajoli is here. I feel like Schmidt's better in every way. Now, Bajoli can win a stage or compete for a stage with the field that we have here. But when it comes to support for Evenepoel, I'm not really there. Kasper Pedersen is interesting. As in, I think Kasper Pedersen is better than people think, but not necessarily to be the guy for Emko Evenepoel here either. So it somewhat feels to me that they've got a, a double-sided team. A GC team with some riders that could do some stuff that doesn't work out. 
Yeah, it's strange. Like, the Unwilder thing actually makes sense out of all of it because they agreed before the year he would domestic at the Giro, he was going to do that, and that he wouldn't have to do it for the rest of the year. Quickstep kept their promise to him. Also, if they broke that promise, he probably would have left the team. His contract's up for renewal. That's just if you want to keep the rider for future years, I, I see why it makes sense for both parties. Uh, and it's not his fault that everyone got COVID in the Giro. The weird thing to me is, yeah, the Asgren Lampard. Asgren's got a lot of race days, but yeah, Lampard, Al Philippe, and I don't know, man. Like, yeah, but Bagioli's maybe he can help with some of the sort of punchy leadouts for Remco. Knox could be good. He was good in Pace Vasco, where he yeah. came second on the Ibar stage, the final difficult stage. But then in Tour de Suisse, he was back to, you know, Knox is super inconsistent. He came good when his contract was up and, you know, will he be good now that he's been extended? I think, uh, I'm not sure. He had the same question. So on, you compare this to Yumbo's team and I, I went on a big spiel about, oh, Remco could have a decent team for the tour next year. He could, but the, the lack of depth at Quickstep is really showing in this Vuelta yeah. team. Um, but maybe they'll outperform it. Maybe Hirton Knox will be super, and uh, Vavak is obviously solid. But yeah, I think there's a big risk of Remco isolation. Uh, anyway, but he's had he's had like Roglic the uh, pretty much perfect prep for this race. Ineos Benji, probably one of the you know obviously the top four strongest teams in the race, the favorites of the team time trial. De Plus, Thomas is their leader for GC. Ganna fresh off uh, second in World Champs TT. Aronsman, six in the Giro. Bernal, the surprise inclusion for me. Castroviejo, Freyla, Hajduk, also the surprise inclusion for everybody, including himself <laughs> and Luke Rowe, over Luke Rowe. So, um, yeah, what do, you, what do you make of this Ineos team, which is actually very strong in the ruler department? I don't necessarily mind them losing out on Luke Rowe, even though, yeah, he's done a preparation and so forth. But a lot of riders do that towards his Grand Tour, and I feel bad that he's not here and so forth. But I also enjoy seeing Kim Heiduk getting an opportunity in this Grand Tour for the future, because Heiduk has become better throughout the year. I feel like last year I was like, ooh, is he really worth of being in this team? But I feel like he's kind of shown that he deserves to be in, in World Tour this year and that he might deserve an opportunity at the Vuelta to show up. So I don't necessarily hate that selection. But when it comes to the rest of the team, I'd say Thomas tries to get, probably tries to get a podium, but I think a top five is more realistic with the start list we have at the start here. He's got the support for it. Ardensmann, the plus Ardensmann might be somewhat co-leader for a bit in the same way that he was at the Giro to then fall into a mystique role if necessary in the last week, for example. Bernal's a gamble, as always, as in, I hope he becomes better. I hope he turns into form but right now I see him as a domestique in this in this race and I think they made domestique. a mistake here. As they, in they, so, they're Bernal. taking Bernal because Sivakov's leaving. Remember no we were driving back from the Remco interview and we saw yep. Sivakov in the TTs going up Fort Danvalira last yep. week. And he didn't know at that point he wasn't doing the Vuelta. He thought he was doing the Vuelta. You cannot tell me that Bernal earned that spot over Sivakov on no. merit. No way. Not. If you're Thomas, you would want Sivakov. And I think Sivakov is a very professional rider and would have done a good job um, as a domestique. So that's just contracts. That's because Bernal's signed until the end of 26 and Sivakov's yep. leaving. And I don't even think it's the best thing for Bernal. I would have thought he's already done the tour. He's already done 58 race days. 
does he need to do 70 race days this year? And he's crashed this year again three times or two times, like in Hungary or whatever. So I thought he would have done Deutschland and try got his own result. So I'm surprised he's in the Italian Classic. So, yeah, that makes no sense to me. But um, it's a solid team. Like, Castro is a beast still. So um, it's a solid enough team. Uh, UAE Benji. Yes. The Almeida, Almeida Ayuso. Uh, dual leadership. Molano's the best sprinter in this race. Finn Fisher Black, maybe the surprise inclusion, but I think he's got a lot to offer. Deserved. The rulers, yeah, I think he, he's he'll be a nice rider and a good to see him at the Vuelta. Oliveira Brothers as the rulers. Soler as the wild card can do it all. And Jay Vine is the pure climber in this squad. It's probably the second strongest squad in the race, and I think the squad favorite to win the most stages because of Milano. I reckon that's very possible because Milano's a candidate for sprint stages because there's just no sprint field at this Vuelta. Like, the sprint field at this Vuelta is pretty damn weak. So that's yeah. why he shows up as one of the riders, one of the top four riders to win sprints in this race. But outside of that, they've also got opportunities in... This is not the team that sits back and doesn't let riders in the breakaway for stage wins. Solari could go into the break and win a stage here or there. You could see the same with some other riders in this team. Like, if Vine falls out of GC, that might be an option. But... When it comes to their leadership, I think that's the most important part of this discussion. Almeida, Ayuso, Vine. I reckon they don't start with an A1 leader. As in, on paper, in their mind, Ayuso might be the one going into this, but he's also been inconsistent this year. So I reckon they will try and keep Ayuso and Almeida up there in GC. Even Vine at the start, maybe. Until one of them gets far enough where they realize, okay, he's definitely domestique. Let's use him as a domestique from this point onwards. Because they also want to win the UCI points ranking at the end of the year. And last year, they did the same exact thing in the Velta where they kept both up there. So it wouldn't shock me if they tried the same this time around. Unless they come to a point where a user is an actual vision of winning this race, then they might change that strategy. Yeah, maybe. I think Vine will definitely be in a domestique role, uh, probably okay. for Ayuso. Uh He did it for Almeida in the Giro, but I don't think they're going for three towards the podium maybe but i there's no harm like with Koos trying to keep him in gc for as long as possible so i wouldn't be surprised to see him staying in gc particularly as i don't see why he would lose a lot of time on the aronsol finish for example uh maybe the the punchy finishes in stage two are better for uh ayuso but yeah it's a very very strong team movistar the home team enric mas he is uh probably the next in line he's actually <laughs> ahead of thomas in the in the betting uh, Verona, Lascano, who just won a stage in Burgos and is just a revelation of this year. Rubio won the stage in the Giro and also incredibly strong. And Jabel Jais, I think. Garcia Cortina, their sprinter. Oliveira, top 10 in Worlds TT. Guerrero has kind of gone missing uh, since... Yeah. Gran Camino? Since, <laughs> since, yeah, Gran Camino and Saudi <laughs> Tour. And, uh, and Jorge Arcas is just uh, as the overall dom to do the dirty work. So... It's a, a very good, good team. team. It's a very good team. It's missing yeah. uh, no Erviti, no Jose Joaquin Rojas, no Valverde, Benji. It's a changing of changing of era. Yeah, a very, very big change of the guards. And Loscano, I'm super hyped to see what he can yeah. do. But there's so many other GC riders in this race. But I feel like we've named the ones that are the pure ones. We, we've got the Bardes of the world that are also in this race. And then we look at the likes of Putrago-Caruso combination, I would say, together with Landa at Bahrain Victorious. So, what I do you reckon? I expect nothing from Landa. You expect nothing from Landa? Oof. 
Interesting. Utrago, Caruso, GC opportunity or likely oh, Caruso? for sure. But, uh, Caruso looked terrible in Burgos, but then I don't think it suited him too much. I don't know. They, they were weird. They were not good at Burgos, the Bahrain yeah. victorious team. I don't know. Pools is here for them as well. Tiberi, Sutlin, Govacar for some of the sprints, as well as Gradek as the ruler. They'll probably win a couple of stages, maybe from the break with, with well, Pools or Tiberi or uh, a medium mountain break with, with Govacar. But yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's tough to assess the form of Betrago and Caruso. I'd, I'd say Betrago will probably be their best rider on GC uh, overall. And yeah, DSM, as you said, like they got a young team too with Dainese as probably mm -hmm. the second best sprinter in the race, only Pool. I really want to see how Pool goes on GC. Jaco Alula, they bring uh, Eddie Dunbar, who did well in the first two weeks of the Giro, fade a little bit at the end. He's got Zana, who won that stage ahead of Pino, Sobrero, Scottson Hepburn, uh, Hagos Berhe, and Engelhardt. Engelhardt's actually quite good. I think that's Luke's favorite rider, uh, the 23-year-old German. So that's actually a low... Sneaky, really strong team from Jayco. Yeah. Uh, Trek have a GC guy. Juanpe will probably try to go top 10. <laughs> Juanpe, you could, you could say, but I don't necessarily see that as the dole-out opportunity there. Top 15 in GC is the more likely scenario where he gets in breakaways and tries opportunities through that. Kian Eitebrooks is an interesting one to get with the likes of Lazov and Higita, but that team is unconfirmed right now, Bora. So I am pretty sure Kian Eitebrooks and Vlazov are doing it. I am relatively certain Kemna and Higita might as well. So... That could be a really strong team if it is all summed up towards the end. Hugh Carfi here for the likes of EF Education First, also unconfirmed right now. So these are riders that could also compete for the things, although I've, I haven't seen Hugh Carty for a while now, I feel like, this year. But I, I'd reckon that those are the, the names for GC, and uh, I believe we can go into the smaller teams a bit more once we get into stages and we see opportunities in their, in their team that could take a stage here on there, but... That's it for GC riders, no? Well, well, there's just a lot of teams who haven't brought a top sprinter and haven't brought a GC rider. Like yeah. Azure Desire have brought, okay, you can, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad team. Like Godon was very good this year, but, you know, Vendrame, Bouchard, Lapir, it's all about Age to are going for a stage in a, in a mountain break. Total has just been shocking this year overall. Antomarche is the same. Like they don't, okay, Herben Tayson, actually he can win a stage, but. With you, a partially out. That might be a bit weird, but again, they're in that way. <laughs> and same with probably Cofidis. I don't know if who's, they're not confirmed either. I wish they brought Lecoq because he could really win here. And Lotto Destiny, I think Van Edvelt can really top 10 yep. GC here. Like he's top a top 10 uh, GC. Yeah, for sure. The I was GC a stage one guy for him. I think he can top 10 GC, but they're going for stage with like Cronin de Gent. I think they're, was that the combo in the Giro? Don't know, but. Don't be surprised if they win a stage from a breakaway as well. But did you mention Group Armor? Um, I did not mention Group Armor, but we're we're big on them, right? We're big. That's why I want to mention them. Yeah, uh, Gregoire for stage two. Don't be surprised if he just straight straight up wins the thing. Yeah, ahead of Roglic and Remco. Like I think he's got a better sprint than them. Like this guy steps off classic skies uphill, uh, like De Lee. So. I think it's an incredible team for such a young team. Like, they are literally, like, Stora, Millard, Gregoire, Martinez, Germani. Why do I do it Spanish? He's Italian. Watson, Askey, Davey. So the two young British guys. It's just the youngsters. I think the vibes will be good. Lenny, yep. Lenny said he's going for, what, top, top un? He said, not, not top 10, not top 13, <laughs> top 1 on Twitter. And I support that. 
Lenny Martinez that. winning the world. I loved it too. So I'm really hyped for them. And I think they'll win a stage. Well, I hope they do. Um, but before we, we'll discuss the, the team hierarchy in a second. Big news though from our end. We have finally launched the Lantern Rouge and Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast merch. The Tug Buddy shirts, which you've seen us wearing. We designed these a while ago. And the backstory on this is um, we wanted to do merch that was actually not just slapping the logo that we already yeah. had on something. We actually wanted to make it cool. We wanted it to be the memes and the catchphrases from the podcast. And so I contacted Lumens, who does the sort of, if you see the prints behind me, the relegation near prints from last year, he trained or studied at the Royal Academy of Fine Arts in Antwerp. And we discussed for a long time what we, and he's an active listener of the podcast as well, what should be on the merch, Tug Buddy number one. But also, if you look at, I think we tested this as well, <laughs> the back of the LRCP one, it has Crosswind Disappointment, Rampas Inhumanas, Quokka Roar. You can see it all on the, we on the website, shop.lanternrouge.com. And yeah, I'm really, really proud of it. I think it's there's mugs as well. Go get yourself a coffee, Benji. I'm about to go off to impress your co-workers. There's a thermonuclear nuclear Lantern Rouge t-shirt with a vulture dropping me in onto a bike to say thermonuclear. There's a sick baseball cap as well. And yeah, um, what's your favorite one, Benji? Oh, it's, it's difficult. I like the mug, but the problem is that I don't drink coffee, so I have no use for it. So it's just sitting there on stole my... It. Yeah, my wife also stole it, so that's also the case. <laughs> but it's also sitting there right now on the on the closet right there. But next to that, I really like the, the LRCP shirt with the art on the back, which is the one I'm wearing at this very moment. So check that out on shop.lanternrouge.com because that one's really beautiful. I think it is, yeah. And we did loads of revisions. Lumen's hand drew these from scratch. And I think for creator merch, I think it's actually pretty... I'm pretty yeah. proud of it, to be honest. Like the what's of the what's and so forth. Fake news climbs as a consequence. All the catchphrases are there. Go and check it out. We've tested the merch. We got samples in, made sure it didn't shrink too much in the wash and it was good <laughs> quality. We've got sizing on the website. And yeah, we're all sharing, uh, sharing the revenue amongst ourselves and to help keep the podcast going. And also it's mainly... Sort of community building thing. I like having the LRCP or Lantern Rouge merch. They're having the hat to wear. We'll be wearing it at the Vuelta this week as well. So go and check it out. And yeah, we appreciate all your support. Let us know which ones you like or perhaps what you'd like to see uh, in the future. All right, Benji, we've gone through the favorites. How do you actually see the hierarchy of this race before we do the stage by stages? Like who is, who is the team everyone looks to to control things who is going to put stamp their foot on the table and control maybe the first week is it Ineos is it Yumbo like how do you actually see the respective team strategies going into it from the top four GC teams I love how you're burying the lead but I feel like Yumbo Visma is a team that everybody's going to be look at, <laughs> yeah. looking at because they've got the two on paper betting favorites not necessarily the two favorites in our eyes necessarily but Roglic and Vingegaard both being in the same team means that they will kind of command how the race goes in certain ways. Yes, other teams might try something, but Yamo also has the strongest team here. Like, this is the strongest team. It's probably one of the strongest teams they could come up with in the first place. Obviously, the Van Arts of the world aren't here. Like, maybe if you switch casing with Van Aert and so forth, you can make it even, hard, even more horrid of a team. But this is a, a very strong team, and it kind of 
we kind of have to go back to what their ambitions are. Obviously, winning the race, winning their third Grand Tour in a row here, three in one season. But how will they try to raise the race? And there's two questions that I have. So, well, first of all, I've got a statement. I, rec I think that the hardest stages, like the Tourmalet stage, the Angliru stage, is basically a situation where Angliru is different. But Tourmalet, I look at it with, okay, they're going to shrink the group down as much as they can. And then they've got two GC riders against other riders of teams where they are isolated on paper. Uh, except maybe UAE with Yoyuso and Almeida, but Remco should on paper be isolated relatively quickly on the clans with the team that he has. And then they can roll attacks with Roglic and Vingegaard, but is that favorable for a Roglic, for example? Is that favorable for a Vingegaard? I feel like the hardest stages are more favored towards a Vingegaard in, in peak form, and... Then you look at the Unipuerto stages, the ones where you've got five kilometers with 9% that's four of the five kilometers, for example. Then you're like, okay, they could just go all out and try to launch Vingegaard, but they also got the option of Roglic with a sprint at the end. So there's so many opportunities for them. But, for example, the team time trial at the start, their result will also influence how the first week will go. Because Yumbo's the kind of team, let's say they win the team time trial, that they might end up being the team that it says, okay, stage two, I don't really want to chase anybody. Stage three, I don't really want to chase anybody. The, the what is it again? The red jersey is lava? <laughs> yeah, the red jersey is lava. I mean, I think with the strength of this start list, I think they need to take all the bonus seconds Roglic can get, to be honest. Because, as I said, he hasn't dropped any one of Remco's, like, he didn't drop Remco in Catalonia. And in the, there's a 24k TT where Remco should beat him. Uh, as well, he pushed 45 seconds into him in, in the Giro opening TT when he wasn't sick. So I think they he might not be able to just rest on his laurels and say, oh, well, Mars won't drop me. I'll beat him in the bonies. I'll beat him in the TT like in previous welters. And he doesn't have to drop anybody. But then, yeah. as you said, there is that inherent, you go for the bonus seconds with Roglic. Remco prob is probably better than Vingegaard with his punch on a Uni Puerto. And then Vingegaard could lose out, or even to Ayuso, and he could lose 10 seconds, or Remco could beat Roglic on those sprints, I think, sometimes. So that's a difficult balance. Ineos also, I mean, we talk about Remco being isolated against Yumbo. I think he could be isolated against three teams. Yep. UAE got the two. Aronsman's going to stay in GC with Thomas. No way they burn Aronsman at Ineos. I think this could be like Pais Vasco last year, where there's multiple, like there could be groups of eight and nine. UAE with like Vine plus the two leaders, Yumbo with Kuz plus the two leaders, Ineos with Deplus plus the two leaders, and then just Remco. And if it starts to kick off, they're going to really put him under pressure. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's almost. Yeah, it's tough for him being on his own without uh, Van Wilder. 100%. Then it almost feels like. Offense might be his best defense in certain occasions, as in if he's in a group of nine and there's six kilometers to go on a single climb to the finish line, it might be best to open up the race and ho hope that he can shred that group to four tree riders with some interest there to keep the others behind so that someone else tries to ride with you and so forth. But then two Yumbos might be there and then you're looking at two Yumbos in the face and then they're going to be like, oh, now we can roll attacks on you, Remco. So that's also what they want at that point. So it's going to be a really tactical race next to the fact that we've got very strong leaders in that sense. And, like, within Ineos, they're going to ride defensively. We know that. They're going to fake pace wherever they can to make sure Thomas and Ireland's one can stay as high up in GC as possible. 
and they're not the team that does the most tactical things, as in sending a, a rider up there, like sending an Ardensmon into the attack to, to try and benefit from the fact that he's three minutes behind EGC or something. I'm just orchestrating a, a scenario here for a second. Uh, UAE did that in the final week of the Vuelta last year, but they also did that in the final week, so I don't expect a user and Almeida to to work together in that sense. I think it's more survival in their, in their first weeks and see where they are after week one. And I don't know, how consistent will a user be? Will Almeida be as good as he was in the Giro? Will he be better? Stuff like that. So there's a lot of questions in that sense. And how do you see, like, if you're Remco, what is your best way of riding these races? I think, like you said, I think it's trying to be aggressive. If you have, like, first of all, he, if Vingegaard has pretty good legs and Remco doesn't have his best legs, he can't win. Yeah. So this is all going, if Remco's in his top ever shape, I think you're right. Being aggressive and then maybe try and, I think you got to try and knock the weaker co-leader out of GC on these teams yep. as quickly as possible. So you go on a climb, drop Roglic, Vingegaard's in your wheel, just keep pacing. Because if you stop, then Roglic comes back or Vingegaard comes back and then they roll you and you gain nothing from your attack. So I think, or if you've you got to put Almeida out of the picture or Aaron's been further out of the picture. So I think early on, you're right. Be, if you've got the legs, be aggressive. But that's the problem. He tried that in Catalonia. Roglic yeah. came over the top of him on low port. He tried that in Tour de Suisse, opening mountain stage. Gal and Schielmerza rolled him. Now, he wasn't in his best shape there, but the risk of that is if you don't drop the other guy in the last K, they'll do a surge while you're cooked and they can take 20 seconds on you. So I don't know. I agree. Ineos will be defensive, but if it is kicking off, they will send guys with a move. Like if Roglic attacks with Armada, they won't just ignore that. Yeah. 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 They will. And I hope they would try to send a guy with it rather than just pacing with the plus afterwards. I mean, maybe they yeah. just pace after it, but they can't be that defensive in the Vuelta. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be really interesting. Now, maybe there's no tactics. Maybe Vingegaard's yep. close to tour shape, smokes everybody, yep. and there are no tactics. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I agree with that. I agree in that sense. I also feel like there's an interesting discussion surrounding how Remco could respond to, let's say UE goes up the road, Remco shouldn't do anything unless Yumbo bridges towards it respond to Yumbo. He needs to benefit from the fact and play off the dynamics of other races and kind of put pressure on Yumbo to close gaps and put pressure on Yumbo everywhere that he can. And he's going to have to be really witty, really fast thinking and so forth in races, no? Exactly. Like it, it is not. You see this team Quickstep, and maybe Quickstep brought this team saying, it's not our responsibility to fix any problem. We can't <laughs> fix any problem. And that's right. Like if, if Ayuso kicks off early, him pacing, I mean, uh, there's no way he will pace on a climb with Vingegaard and Roglic in the wheel. That would just be yep. insanity. It's, it's not like Tour de Suisse. There's no way. So, but yeah, he can't do that. Maybe Mars and Movistar start pacing. But if Sepp Kuss is there, it's, it's Yumbo's. Any problem? Yumbo's responsibility to fix it. But about Yumbo for a second, a bit more about them. You mentioned, okay, they're... They might want to go for every opportunity they can to get bonus seconds here or there on every single one of these Unipuerto stages on a stage two, even for example, all the stages that look remotely controllable, they'll try and do that. 
Is that your take? Or would you say it's going to be a pick and choose of like, ooh, this stage is a bit more fitting to be able to control? Or will they try it every time? It depends. I guess stage, it depends on the TTT, as you said. Like maybe Ineos win the TTT and then control stage two anyway. Uh, I think that's a real possibility. And really? then Ineos winning the TTT. Uh, I'd say they give the jersey away on stage two if they win the TTT. Probably because Thomas ain't beating Roglic. Rem like Thomas yeah. loses if if the break doesn't win stage two, Ro Thomas loses ten seconds, yep. guaranteed. So you're right. Maybe they don't. I mean, it would be insane to control it. Um, <laughs> but stranger things have happened. But you're right. Uh, I don't know. It's. I don't think Finger Guard's punch is that bad. Correct. Like so, but it's not. It's not like especially maybe not stage two, but especially on some of the like the probably you said a four k nine percent climb. Or, I'm not so convinced Ringgard would even lose a sprint if it's been hard enough. So, I it mean, his, his punch is outstanding. At the, it depends how hard the climb has been. If it's turned into a longer climb and then there's fatigue, it's different. It also depends on his shape. But as I said, this is not like if you want Roglic to win and you're adding up all the time and he hasn't dropped any, like, would you expect Roglic to just drop Ayuso on Anglaru? I wouldn't. It depends on how good a Yuzo is that arrives. Like good Ayuso. Good Ayuso, I wouldn't either. And like Roglic had a Roglic, crisis on Angleru three years yeah, ago. Exactly. He had his weakness on Angleru a few years ago. But I do want to talk about one more thing when it comes to Roglic. That's his sprint. But Emko's sprint got better this year. For sure. Ayuso has a sprint. He's how a weird confident, one. Yeah, he's a weird one. But I'll, I'll let you get into that in a second. <laughs> how confident are you that Roglic will win? The bonus seconds versus Evanapul and Ayuso. Uh, on the, f it really depends. Actually, it depends yeah. on the particular climb. I think in terms of thirty-second punch, I'll take Roglic over Remco. Mm -hmm. In terms of a flat sprint, if Roglic leads him out like he led out Adam Yates in that Vuelta stage three on the flat, I think Remco will come over the top of him. So, like Roglic five-second, ten-second burst isn't that good. He's like a long sprint, and that's why uphill he can get separations. So yep. I think if Roglic treats Remco like he's useless and just leads him out, then he can win the sprint. So Remco, that is. Whereas in the past, that might not have been the case. Remco doesn't have poggy sprint, but I don't think Roglic can just do what he wants, sprint away from him, particularly on the flat. And will, if Yumbo is going for bonus seconds on those stages, Will that impact Vingegaard? Because Vingegaard, his sprint is not dog shit, but it's on paper not as good as Evanipul and Iuso in my head, which I'm looking at a scenario where Roglic takes time and then Vingegaard loses time to the other favorites on those types of terrain. Or are there opportunities for reverse leadouts where Vingegaard goes early, kind of gets the others out of their den, have to respond to Vingegaard, which gives Vingegaard an opportunity to take time, but then Roglic has to beat them over the line as well. Probably Roglic will chase him, like on Poggio when he closed well, Banat's wheel 3,000 times <laughs> in San Remo last year. I don't know. It's very difficult. I mean, yes, what you said in theory should, should, um, could work, uh, but it's very difficult, as we saw with Marcin Lopez, to, in the hectic final 500 metres, get everything right, like on Picon Blanco a few years ago. Uh, but you're right. It, it, um, I don't know. I don't know, maybe Vingegaard sprints from behind in the draft and he can come over Remco. But anyway, 
Lots of tactics to talk about. We'll get into these stages that we've been alluding to now. The opening stage is a technical city team time trial around Barcelona. Some narrow streets, a lot of tram, I think tram track crossings. It's pretty flat. There's a lot of corners. Over a corner per kilometer will be there. I'll try to book a restaurant for us uh, on the on the course before they realize the TTT is coming through. Uh, if there's <laughs> any left, who do you think's winning this, Benji? Who do you think it suits? I think if it was non-technical, mm-hmm. I think Yumbo would have struggled a bit more more than they should have because their Paranese TTT yep. wasn't as good as I expected. Uh, but it being technical, I think their team is quite good for it. But I still have Ineos as the favourites. I think they win with a decent margin, actually. Well, Ineos has a strong TT team like Thomas can TT. Ganna can definitely TT. Ironsman can solidly TT as well. Castroviejo as well. Freilöder Plus are the ones where I'm like, I've got on the on the row behind the ones I've already mentioned when it comes to time trial skills, but they still can TT. Hajduk, I don't know. So that's that's one where I'm like, me? But he's trying to lead out okay. guys, so he could be good in a TTT. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And also in a technical TT in that sense. But yeah. they look at the technicality of this, Parker. You said it. I think there's about 18 corners roughly in, in about 15 kilometers. So that being the case, I'm talking about proper corners. Eh? Uh, if we consider the other bends, it's probably 21 or so. But proper corners, roughly 18. It's also a roundabout here or there. So that's also not included in that. So it's very technical. What does that favor? Does that impact the amount of gaps we'll have? Because in a time trial with less gaps, you could argue that the riders with technical skills will gain more time in those technical sections versus on the arrow sections that an arrow person will gain more on an arrow on a, on a technical person. But then you look at then you look at a team time trial and you've got teams with half the team being technical riders and half the team being arrow riders and you, you kind of have to think about okay they need to consider that within the team as well and could this cause the fact that we won't have gigantic gaps in this team time trial yeah like thomas said on his podcast like castro is a strong t- time trialist but sitting behind him sucks because he's like really <laughs> small and technical and arrow yeah. and so yeah positioning sequencing when do you pull off how long is your pull don't pull off mid you know just before a corner it'll slow everybody down I think it's going to be really interesting to see how teams do it. And yeah, I, I, but I take Ineos, who you got, Benji. I mean, Quickstep will probably come, should run top three. Pedersen's not too bad. They've got a great setup. They won the UAE to a TTT, but they, they had a better team from memory there for that one. They had Merlier. Jumbo Visma is my take. You got Jumbo. On the, on the fast flat TTs, I'm not confident in their equipment and the technical one. I don't think that equipment will be the all out decider. Okay. You got Jumbo. Uh, stage two, Benji will do odds, I'll do even. Stage two from 180, 184Ks from Mataro, which is just outside of Barcelona. They do a few Catalonia little warm-up climbs, you know, 11K, 4%, 4K, 4%, nothing too serious. It should be an easy enough day, but it's long. It's pretty long for a Vuelta, 180Ks, and then two punchy climbs in Barcelona in the Monjuif circuit. That's the final stage of Catalonia, Volta Catalonia. It's a slightly different angle, I think, or different approach. They do the Castel de Montjuïc climb, 900 meters, 9%. It's pretty difficult. Yeah. Straight descent into another punch uphill, which is a little bit shorter, I think. Are there ponies at the top of the first climb? Yes. Well, there are on the Castello de de Montjuïc bonus second. So if that's the case, then you've got six for for two bonus seconds for the first three riders. 
And we need to consider also, this is across the entire Grand Tour that you've got either bonus seconds on a climb or at the intermediate sprinting stages. So in this specific stage, it's on the Mondrewe climb. And that's going to spice things up in the GC group, regardless of whether it's a breakaway winning or not. So we're destined to see some GC skirmish behind in this stage. And then I've got the question, looking at the stage before, okay, we've got the team time trial. I think the winner of the team time trial will also decide how this stage is being done. As in, are we going to see Ineos control if they won the team time trial? No, I don't they believe that. For Thomas to lose 16 seconds, yeah, bad that, idea. Exactly. Are we going to see Jumbo Visma control if they win? That could go either way, depending on whether they want to risk controlling for 180 kilometers for the sakes of 16 bonus seconds. It's somewhat worthy to try, I'd argue, but I also think that Vingegaard might end up losing bonus seconds to otherwise as a consequence. So I think you'll gain this could more. also be a break. Gain more. Well, like... Uh are you so is suspect sometimes? Like you, you mentioned it before. <laughs> His flat sprint is insane. He has such a good flat sprint, which he showed in Romedy and other races. But in random moments, his punch uphill sucks. Like in, <laughs> it does. In the Vuelta last year, he was struggling on one of the, the early punchy stages. It's, he's a curious rider. And so it's almost similar with Almeida. So would you be surprised if it all kicks off on Monduith? that a, a GC rider like an Almeida, like an Aronsman, get caught behind if the really punchy guys full send it for the bonies and then go into the descent. I wouldn't especially, be surprised. Especially the likes of Aronsman. We've had moments in Aronsman's career where you had these weaker moments on stages that aren't the, the big stages, the hilly, punchy, yeah. smaller races where you don't expect the big gaps to happen. So that could happen. You could see 30 seconds lost for a ride like that on a stage like this. But... Is there a chance for a breakaway? I think it's possible. I think it's not impossible for a break to win. Then a Gerhardt and so forth could do it, but... Oh, good shout. Regardless of the break, regardless of the peloton, there's only one man that will win this stage. And you, you hinted it already, oh, but I'm going to steal... you bastard. Well, I have it on my notes. Yeah, yeah, I wrote yeah, it taking. before you said it. Romain Grégoire is going to win this stage. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. I, I don't see how he doesn't win. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, there's a quite a few scenarios I can think of. <laughs> I don't see how he doesn't win. Um, but yeah, <laughs> for, for real. Like, there's someone like Agita who could come out of nowhere and win the stage as well. Nah, you know, fuck that. You don't not, think not so? Not happening. I don't believe. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go for my, my sleeper is Oscar Onley. Uh, actually, he's low key punchy rider. Really? He beat Vingegaard in Crow Race in some punches last year, but this is slightly different. Uh, I'm going to go for. Super weird one. Frailer. Terrifying. Omar Frailer. I, I think Ineos should let him go for it to take bonies away. Mate, does that not complete his three Grand Tour stage wins? Yes. I reckon he had Giro and Tour? Yes. I have him for a different for, stage, so... I'm going for Frailer. It won't happen, but uh, they, should put him in the, <laughs> they should put him in the break and try and make the break go all the way. Uh, but yeah, in, you for, go... In, in reality, you expect Romain Grégoire to be your actual pick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Or Vingegaard. Okay. Vingegaard? Uh, yeah. I would have expected Roglic or Vingegaard for Jumbo on this one. Gregoire. He's too good. All right. <laughs> move on to stage three. Yes. Stage three. It's, uh, it's a mountain stage. Already, we've got a proper mountain stage. We're going towards your home from Spain into the likes of Andorra. We've got the Col Dino, which is uh, 
a climb I've done. I've done the other side twice. The hardest but, side. No, uh, the hardest side. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I've done the harder side, people. <laughs> but these riders are doing the easy side. They're they're off oh, cough. But it's a very long easy side. As in 17.5 kilometers at 4.9%. Doesn't exactly say the the actual truth of that climb, I would say, because in the first 10 kilometers is about four kilometers with 2% average, but it's the second half that is the hardest with six kilometers following each other up at eight, seven, seven, six, six, seven percent. So it's still a very rough climb, but it's kind of the attrition climb towards the next climb, I'd say, which is Adinsel, which is the final climb comes directly after the Ordino descend. At the end of the descent, they've got this roundabout that all the riders will be going into. I'm very curious how that's going to end up because that's rather technical for the end of the descent, but Adinsel stuff. As in the first kilometer is 5.4%, but then it starts to gradually ramp up to 6 to the likes of 8.2, 8.3, then one kilometer of 7% again, but then we hit the very steep ones, which is 10.1%, 9.7%, 7.5%. Have you done our install? I haven't. It's too it's super hard. You're scared. I just haven't got around to it. <laughs> You're scared. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's super hard. The average altitude of the climb is 1700 meters. There's so much climbing in this stage, which isn't categorized, which, you know, the riders will get to, they'll be, they'll have been climbing for 10 minutes and then they'll see a KOM marker saying the climb has started and they'll go, what the fuck? I've been climbing. Like, for example, <laughs> you got to do two Ks about 9% up to Canillo to start the climb to Ordino. And, and that's steep already. It's basically you start climbing from Andorra La Vella up to Ordino. That goes to 2000 meters. You know, it's not high, high altitude, but there's an effect after 1500 in particular. Yep. It's a very short recovery. It's like a 12-minute descent, basically, from the top of Col d'Ordino to the Lamasana roundabout where you turn right. Not much recovery. Uphill all day. It could be super hot. It's really hot here at the moment. If you've got a strong wind and it's hot, it could be feral, to be honest. And I think this is Tarame break day. I think... I think a lot of teams are looking at this like, nah, I don't, I'm not interested. Really? If you're Ineos, what do you get out of this stage? If not you're, that much. No, and if you're Yumbo, Yeah, but Ineos will not control the stage at any point in this Grand okay, Tour. Okay, so let's two. start with Yumbo. They want to control this. Nah, this is breakaway stage for me where, where the break will go ahead, break will have a chance of winning the stage. But then if we take a look at the actual GC fight behind, we'll see a GC fight. We'll see differences. But it just won't be the, the, the controlled stage toward GC fight for the stage victory. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's going to be a breakaway, but there still, as Benji said, should be gaps on the final climb. It's, it's hard. It's actually harder than pick on Blanco, in my opinion. So I'm going with uh, Filippo Zana to win from the breakaway. Oh. He might not have lost enough time on GC. Uh, my saver is is Walt Poles if he's in any half decent shape as well for Bahrain because if there's a break, Bahrain should be in it. Uh, or so yeah, I like those two. I I would like Lenny to just yeah. lose a bucket load of time and, and go in the breakaway, and it's a really good climb I think for him as well, and he can win. So yeah, but I'm going with Zana. Maybe I think he's not respected enough that they'll be too worried about him taking the jersey either. I think uh, that's a very possible thing. Now, I'm always, I'm always curious when it comes to the other teams, if we're just starting to look at the Lotto Destiny. You said Van Aert felt top 10 GC, whatever. 
Oh, yeah. I was for him for stage wins throughout this Grand Tour, and if he's in a break on this stage, he could easily end up fighting for that stage win, but there's so many riders like that, and you said it. It's about whether they lose time by this point in the race, and there's going to be riders that decide to do that because it's an obvious stage, like Rubio, for example, like Guerrero, they can win in Arinsal. There's there's options for, for all these teams to do that, and... I reckon Astana might be a, a good call as well because they got those kind of riders that could also do well in like a first week of a Grand Tour, like a De La Cruz, a Dombrowski. Those could also do well in a in a first week. But I'm gonna go for Joffrey Bouchard. Ah, uh, nice pick, strong pure climber on Azure Citroen. So yeah, I think a climber's break where he goes, and you know, as say if even if Van Aert, say he's lost a minute from TTT and Montjuïf. I don't think Gumbo would care about Van Edveld taking two minutes, no. three minutes. Like exactly. The TTT, so maybe that's... So I think it's fine. Uh, stage four, this is probably the first opportunity to introduce the sprinters. 185Ks, it's very similar. It finishes in Tarragona, starts in Andorra La Vella, uh, downhill mostly down to the sea. Uh, it has two little warm-up climbs. For, it's a typical Catalonia stage, 4K, 6% before finishing with a little uphill kicker in town. Like you, this is why I thought Lecoq should do this. Uh, we, we haven't really mentioned the sprinters, but yeah, the, the big three, I would say, are Dainese on DSM, Milano, and Herben Tayson, who's already podiumed a few Vuelta sprints. Then it really drops off, frankly, like Mantin, Penalva, Govacara, kind of breakaway sprinty types as well as Garcia Cortina on Movistar. And like even, Ga frankly, Ghana can win group sprints if he gets it right out of the yeah. corner. Uh, like in Wallonie, if he gets it right out of the corner, he can win. But in the Dauphiné, we had that sprint where Grunewagen and Bennett got relegated. Govacar had a really good sprinter, and I wonder, is yeah, that true. a sign of something great that we haven't explored yet? So I'm going to go true, for Govacar for the sake of, I want this guy to show his potential in regular sprints. Maybe. It's a little uphill, this finish. So who's going to a little uphill finish? I'm going Milano. I think Milano is the best here. Uh, although Dainese yeah. was pretty good in the uphill drag in Norway last week. So, but I, I'm going with Milano. Uh, stage five, basically the same stage, like literally copy paste. 187Ks from Morea to Buriana as we head south, I think, to Valencia. Uh, I'm going Milano again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Dainese. Dainese, okay. Oh, no breakaway here? Well, no break. Well, there. It's hilly enough to have a breakaway, but I think there's enough teams in the peloton that might be intrigued yeah. to to still do it for the sprint because they also have like sprinters where like half of the sprint field isn't really a sprint field, so their teams might still feel like they have an opportunity to win. There's bonus seconds in intermediate sprints in these two stages, by the way, so we're gonna have to see something there. Like the GC will have a a sprint for bonus seconds with 11 kilometers to go in this sprint stage, so that's gotta be curious. But anyway, oh, that's weird. <laughs> stage shakes because we already ruined our entire order at this point but we've yeah. got la laval duicho uh, you're gonna have to pronounce that properly for a la second right now laval la duicho okay i'll take that yeah. observatoria astrofisico de javalambre and this okay. is one that we've seen so much in the um in the vuelta before this is one of those unipuerto stages not completely flat before the final hill but that final hill is a medium mountain i would declare because the first five kilometers it ramps up. Like, this climb is exponential. Starts at 3.6%, then 4%, then 7%. But the last 5-ish kilometers is 10.5, 11.2, 10.4, 9.3, 8.9. Is this the finish where Dan Martin 
one ahead of Roglic and Carapaz, or is this not the one? No, that was easier than this, I think. This is a Bala one, no? Did Bala, is, was this remember. his first win in the World Champs jersey when he was in the big drought uh, in 2019? He won, no, that was Masla Costa. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so Astrophysico, they used it. Madrazo, this is the Madrazo one, Benji, from the breakaway oh, God. in 2019. Uh, and it's a very similar stage. With Yetzer Ball yeah, in the breakaway. Yeah. So oh. he's here as well, probably for Burgos. So this is another one where I don't know who's going to control. Yep. It could be breakaway like that day as well. Uh, it's a hard enough climb that there can be differences, but it's all, it really is quite steep at the end. And for example, on that stage, uh, Roglic took 30 seconds on Pagacha and Lopez took, uh, I, don't know, I don't think it was in the break. So 30 seconds is a lot on a climb like this. And on Quintana, Roglic took nearly a minute with Bala. So punchy climb. I think I'm going to go with Remco Evenepoel to win this. Are you? You're going to go from the GC group. Ooh la la. Yeah. I'm, um, ooh. From the GC group, I'd go for Roglic personally. Oh yeah. It'd probably be a For... From the breakaway, I'll go for Willi Hagelsberge on Jaiko. Oh, nice pick. Nice pick. Uh, Engelhardt, can he climb? No, nah, not that well. Stage 7, another sprint stage from <laughs> Utel to Olivia. Uh, on the coast, again, one of those weird intermediate sprints with the bonies and the sprint points uh, with about 30Ks to go. But probably the GC guys will be hoping the break takes that. I think this is a, yeah, this could be a very fast day. Very, very fast day in. I don't know if this is in crosswind country, but I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Ghana to win this one. Just a late flyer. <laughs> a late flyer for this stage. I've gone for Manuel Peñalver of Burgos. Nice. He's actually he won, yeah. he's not bad. Didn't he didn't he win a an Algarve stage? Oh, I think he might have been like top three did or something. I don't remember. <laughs> What's his best result, Penny Alva? Second in a Valenciano at... stage. Yeah, that was it. That was it. He's 24. <laughs> I mean, he could. He could. Um, anyway, that, that's another sprint stage. Stage eight from uh, Denia, which every rider will know well. It's where they do all their camps in the winter. We've, they'll be back there in December. 165Ks to Jaret de Cati, Costa Blanca Interior. So they go into the interior of the Costa Blanca. This could be hot as fuck uh, in the late August. This is a hard stage. Uh, if yep. this is hot, this is a hard stage. It reminds me a lot of like a Monde or a Puy uh, uh, Marie stage in the Tour de yep. France where, okay, it doesn't look like high mountains, but if you've got 35 degrees, 40 degrees beating down on these guys all day and then you have this ramp at the finish, which is the Jorret de Cati, 3.8Ks, 11.5% average, then a short descent before a little uphill finish at the end. Rampas in Humanas. Uh, engaged. I think it's break, Benji, because it's a filthy stage to control. Yep. Uh, but I also think there's going to be GC action too. Uh, I don't know who will come out on top, but it's uh, there's also that weird bonus sprint. I think the break's going to take that bonus sprint, frankly. Yep. Uh, who you got? I've got Leonard van Eetveld for this nice. one from the breakaway, but Grigoire could also be in the breakaway on a stage like this. Many opportunities True. here, but van Eetveld is mine. Van Edfeld, you got, I'm going to go Rain Tarame from the breakaway. Okay. He's been a little bit anonymous this year, has he not? Uh, but, yeah. you know, he comes in, he comes, ebbs and flows Rain Tarame, so I like him as well. Hopefully Bardet 
also is a good option. If Bardet's lost time, he can also win uh, this sort of stage from the breakaway. But yeah, that'll be a super hard day, and don't be surprised if you see proper GC gaps. Next stage, Benji. Stage 9, Cartagena to Caravaca de la Cruz, 184 kilometers long. It's not a pure Unipuerto, there are climbs in the stage. The first one is with 40, no, 50 kilometers to go, roughly, the Puerto de Casas, La Marina de la Perdiz, 12 kilometers, 4.9%. So it's it's attrition stage at this point. My breakaway will be up the road. I reckon a breakaway might end up winning the stage because the last climb is also not the hardest. 8.2 kilometers, 5.4%. It's not something where you as a GC rider think, oh, I'm going to take minutes here. And um, also it's scary because there's a bonus second sprint at the bottom. So as any GC rider, you don't want to sprint there. <laughs> so yeah. please break away, take the bonus seconds. <laughs> like, I'm gonna... Go ahead. Who's well, your pick? I, well, I, I agree. I'm kind of in this theme of breakaway, 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 because it all depends on the race situation. Maybe Yumbo would chase and try to set up a Roglic win, but maybe Solaire wins. I forgot Soler's here, and he'll probably get his own freedom. I'm going to go with uh, Ruben Guerrero from Movistar, uh, but pick. I also think that Kevin Vocal has a decent Fuck. chance for this. Okay, I well, I'm, I'm going to pick Vocal, huh? You're going to pick Guerrero, that's yeah, how we're doing Guerrero. it. <laughs> Next up. Well, that that's the first week. I would say in terms of tactics... I don't see it too much in this week. The only tactical things, we, we basically had one, two, three, four, five uphill finishes. And so five of the nine or five of the eight road stages will be uphill finishes where we will see which team controls and everyone will look to Yumbo to control. And who, whoever wins will depend on what they decide to do. But in terms of 60-kilometer raids, I very much doubt it in this first no. week, frankly. Uh, rest well, day. Well, it's hard if the majority of the stage are Unipuerto stages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's there's no difficult climbs in the middle of any of these stages, except for Colorino, and that's near the end. So, and that's not even that difficult. So it it should all be uphill finishes, maybe breakaway taking seventy five percent of them. Rest day, we've headed into the interior of Spain, baking hot, Valladolid, uh, to Valladolid, twenty five or uh, twenty six kilometer TT, little bumper, five hundred meter seven percent punch in the first third is an intermediate time check halfway through it's not too technical but i wouldn't say it's non-technical either there's there's enough corners and 180 degrees and and whatever uh i think i don't know who wins this tt i mean how much time should remco he said he expected to take 40 on gegenhart and that giro tt if he wasn't sick does gana get worse in tts as grand tours progress is that a theory i just made up <laughs> you might have, but I don't really I care if I'm an MQA in a pool about Yana. I want to True. take time on GC riders, and if that gives me the stage win, that gives me the stage win. But I'm rather focused on taking time on Roglic, and I think he should try and gain half a minute on his competitors, at least. And yeah. Vingo is a difficult one. I can't predict this flat TT for Vingo anymore after what we saw at the Tour de France. The guy could arrive and win by 17 minutes, or the guy could arrive and win by 30 seconds, could lose by 30 seconds on a time trial like this. I reckon it's between Remco and Gunnar for the stage win. Yeah. And I reckon Remco takes about 27 seconds on Roglic and 17 on Fingergaard. Yeah, sounds about right to me. I think a bit more, maybe. Uh, 10 seconds more each way. Uh, I think Roglic and Fingergaard might actually do the same TT. But uh, Thomas yep. as well, 
He's got to take time on Almeida and Ayuso. Again, he'd be, he'd be trying to take 30 seconds on them. Thomas, it might only be 20 because uh, Thomas is, you know, a great flat time trialist. But yeah, I got Remco for the stage and it's hard to look past his, <laughs> his World Championships DT. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I can't I'll go, go past him. I'll go for Ganaden for the sakes of controversy. Stage 11 from Lerna to La Luna Negra Vinuesa. Again, this is a soft uni puerto uphill finish with a bonus sprint beforehand. We've had about four of these so far. <laughs> this is the softest of them. Uh, really should not be gaps. This is the type of stage I think Dan Martin did beat Roglic on uh, in the 2020 uh, welter ahead of Carapaz. But uh, I, I think this is Roglic now. I think it's short enough and easy enough. I think this is Roglic win. I think this is breakaway win again. Okay. Um, like. There's a big chance that one of these Unipuerto stage will go to the likes of a Roglic if Yambo decides to control it and wants to go for the bonus seconds in the way that you said at the start of this podcast. But I'm also of the opinion that everybody in that group will be terrified about the intermediate sprint at the bottom of the climb. Like, like genuinely, how unbeneficial is it to sprint at the bottom of a climb? You're fucked, I don't think, no? I don't think they will. I yeah. think the teams will try to let the breakaway take it. Yeah, or we'll try and get teammates to steal it yeah. away from everybody. You send Hyduck to sprint. You send, to sprint. Yeah. You send uh, but, who can sprint on Yumbo? Um, Van Baal has a sneaky sprint. Yeah, I think they do that. And Castle Pedersen. Quickstep will send Pedersen. And so it'll be, yeah, like a chess match. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think there's too much difference. These guys are freaks. They can recover very quickly from a sprint. And listen, if one guy sprints... You kind of you don't want to just give him six seconds, but yep. I don't think uh, Roglic is not beating Casper Pedersen in a flat sprint. Yep. So actually, it could be a waste of time. Uh, who did you go for? Who did I go for? I went for Roglic. You went for break, did you? I'm gonna go for Javier Romo, who was really good at Burgos. Ooh. Actually, my breakaway guy's uh, Lascano. Romo was seventh at Burgos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so good. I, I didn't realize he was so close in that race. Like he's really stepped up, and he's gonna take the stage for me. Okay. Yeah, if he's in the break, he big engine, he can, he can work on the flat too. So that's why I like Lascano. I hope those two Spanish versatile riders get in and they have a battle. Uh, we haven't mentioned Herrada. No. I, or uh, Not or Soler. It. Soler no. also will be in the break. Uh, no. Stage 12, sprint stage from Olvega to Zaragoza, 152 kilometers long. Uh, it could also just be a random like breakaway stage because the sprinters teams can't be fucked because there's the high mountains nah. tomorrow. But Belgium. I think it's it's too easy. Who you got? Belgium. It's between Tyson or Menton, so I'm gonna go for Tyson for this one. Okay, I am going to go for <laughs> who else can sprint? No one sent any sprinters to this race. It's, it's outrageous. <laughs> um, Turns. Nah, nah, nah. Oh, I'm gonna go for uh, Dainese to, okay. to win this. I'll allow it. I haven't picked him for any of them. All right, bring Stage us to the 13. mountains, Benji. Stage 13 is pretty special because I reckon this was supposed to be in a in a Vuelta a few years ago where mm -hmm. we had the Tourmalet planned, but then because of situations, politics, I think we had that stage taken out and the Adamon for Miguel finish placed instead where. Yonizagiri, oh, absolutely destroyed it. Roglic had a bad day. Vazdgate, that was that day. And now we've got Col de Tourmalet. From Formigal, we start Col de Tourmalet at the finish line, but lots of mountains in between. We start very high up already at about 1,600 meters. We go 200 meters higher to the top of the 
the Col de Portalet, which is the Puerto de Portalet. <laughs> I love how they spanify. Is that a word? Now it is. The names of these climbs. Then a major descent of roughly 26 kilometers to the bottom of the Col de Bisque. 16.6 kilometers at 7%. In the descent, I think we... Is Dobis the one where we've got... Oh, it's not Telegraph, is it? In the descent of Obisque, which one is it? So there, no. There's a climb that is like the shoulder of Obisque. Anyway, that one we hit in the descent of Obisque. Meanwhile, we go to the bottom of the next climb. This is roughly still with 60 kilometers to go. We're at bottom. Uh, we come to the bottom of the Col de Spondel, which is the big one. Eh? We saw that one in the Tour de France uh, two years ago. Last year. Because it Last feels like two year, years yeah. ago. 10.4 kilometers at 8.1%. One can kill a man on this climb. With Was a that the quote? Case. Yeah. Shit's gonna stir up here, right? And we've got to descend again with a small valley. So a 20 kilometer descent with a 10 kilometer valley towards the, the bottom where it gradually starts moving up towards the, the Tourmalet, which is 18.8 kilometers, 7.4%. Rough climb at the finish line. Jonas Vingegaard territory. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's hard to go past them. Yes, it's not the longest stage like Coldo Lowe's, but there is a lot of climbing. This is all climbing jam-packed into this, even from out the gates. Particularly, all three climbs are longer than 30 minutes, and Obisk and, and uh, Tourmalet is closer to the hour mark. I think this is, yeah, Vingegaard. Uh, we'll try and make a statement, and I... Um, uh, he will be the favorite probably for the stage if he's yeah. shown good shape up to this point. But I think Ayuso takes his podium spot on this stage. Okay. This is, this is what he's good at, uh, attritional stages. Same with Almeida, but I, I like Ayuso for the stage too. But if Vingegaard's in top shape, you just you can't go past him for it. I reckon, unironically, I don't know if he'll do it, but I feel like there's opportunities for early action on the stage as well. As in... If you do have Roglic and Vingegaard and you're in a situation where you need to figure something out, which they might not at this point, but there's opportunities to put satellite riders in the breakaway here, then on Spondel, try and bridge towards them with Roglic on top and then try and go through that valley like that with Vingegaard sitting on the other GC riders. That option is very much possible here. Do they need to do that to win? No. But yeah. it's fine. <laughs> exactly, and you got that bonus gate, so people will be sprinting on the top of Spandell unless the breakaway's taken it, um, and the break could even form out of neutral because there's that climb out of from Formigal. I think it's going to be a really interesting stage. Aaronsman could go well; he's nice on the long climbs, but Avonpole uh, will surely come under attack if he's leading. If he's in red after the TTs, yeah, and he'll take some bonies and sprints too. This is the first big day where he's going to be put under a lot of pressure. And yeah, I think Fingergaard wins this stage. The next day doesn't get any easier for him. From We're leaving France back into Spain. From Sauvetel de Berne to uh, La Belagua. Flat first 50Ks. Then they do the Col Orser. 11.6Ks, 8.3% with some steeper sections in their descent. Little valley before the Col de Royamendi. 10.3 Ks, 9.1%, harder than Spandell, and then it's a false summit, and then you, you have a little kicker steep up to the top of Puerto de la Rao, which has a bonus gate at the top too. That's like a 45-minute climb at least. Descent, another kicker, weird little valley before a soft finish. So this is kind of like the... It's kind of, it's kind of like the Colterre stage to me. 
Now, Eromendi is not as hard as Tourmalet, but it's got two long climbs before, which was Aspen yeah. Tourmalet. This has two uh, all-category climbs or uh, especial climbs, they're called in the Vuelta, before a recovery period and a soft finish. I think this is going to kick off again, and this is the t where I see the tactics really come in and yeah. what's going to happen, and it all depends on GC positions, but uh, I, uh, I don't know. You go, who you got? I'll let you go. There's a potential rate stage here, like Trotnik yeah. into the breakaway, then on the uh, the port, Puerto de Laro, there uh, a move by someone of the leaders. There's an option here. It feels like that kind of stage where the final climb isn't hard enough necessarily for action, so you gotta attack on the second last one if you do want action here. And if they make the race hard, then the break won't win. If they don't make the race hard and they skip the, the lateral climb in, in the peloton, then well, then we've got a GC, uh, then we've got a breakaway victory. But I'm gonna go for action. I want entertainment. I want the raid stage. I think we see a. I'm gonna go for this. I'm gonna go for the fact that Roglic tries to reach to Trotnik on Puerto de Laro. Then in that valley, we see the other GC riders behind trying to figure it all out with Vingegaard in the wheel. And then on the last climb, because all the others were worked through, Vingegaard ends up winning the stage, even though the climb at the end is not necessarily his favorite. True. I'm going to go for Enrique. Nah, Mask can't win. It's not hard enough for the finish. I'll go for Remco. Okay. Last Remco climb does fit him, end. I think. Yeah, the last climb's really, really good for Remco. Uh, stage 15 from Pamplona, the heart, the base of Team Movistar to Leckenberry, uh, near the Basque Country. I think we've had a finish here before, even this climb before the Puerto uh, Zuarate. 63 k 5.1%. It's a soft, medium mountain stage. This screams breakaway to me, and I'm going for Marc Soler. Okay, you're going to go for Marc Soler. I'm going to go for... Omar uh, Freiler or Lascano. 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 I also don't... I think Thomas de Gent will be targeting this stage with the flat finish, yeah. it's, but it might be a little bit hard, and if Soler kicks off, it'll be difficult for him. Also, don't be surprised if you see uh, Butrago in the breakaway if he's fallen out of GC, or uh, Engelhardt also can win yeah. from Jake Olula. I think it's a nail on break. That's the end of week two. Two yeah. super hard mountain stages, a couple of... and mostly breakaway stages. Uh, but stage 16, Benji. This is, yes. this is classic Vuelta. Classic Vuelta. We've got a stage from Lienkres Playa to Bejes. It's kind of reminds me of the, the Magnus Court stage where there's that hill at the end, but the oh, last yeah, hill yeah. is harder in this, in this race, I reckon, because it's, it's basically two ramps in one climb, the last five-ish kilometers of this stage. After a completely flat stage, the, the first ramp is 1.6 kilometers, 10.7%, but then it doesn't completely flat out midway to climb, but then it starts the second ramp, which is 2.7 kilometers, at 9.2%. I'm going to go for Gregoire or Vocalin from the breakaway. Gregoire it is. But it's a very short stage, so it can be controlled, but Gregoire wins either way. I don't think it's 120 Ks. <laughs> it's a three hour, it's a two hour 45 stage. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for uh, <laughs> Vingegaard to win this in, a, no. in an uphill sprint. Gregoire uh, beats them all, all the GC riders, one on one. I don't think. It, <laughs> It's it's five k's, nearly nine percent. It's on the. I think that's too much on the limit for for Gregoire. If it was two k's, ten percent, I could get on board with it. Roglic would probably still be the favorite, but no. Nah. Um, it's a shame you don't believe in miracles. <laughs> I mean, I hope he does. But next stage, another hundred and twenty k stage. But this one's a lot harder. From Jesus, 
Ribadasaya to Alto de Anglaru. We're up in the Asturias short stage. We've got two Walnut climbs that actually, they're difficult climbs. They just look dwarfed by the Anglaru, but you can, first we have the Alto de la Coladeia, 65 k 8%. That's not easy. Then you have the Cordal, 57 k 8.5%. I believe that's where David de la Cruz attacked a few years ago. Yeah, maybe that was before something else, and he he got there was another DSM rider in the valley or something. Bardet was attacking. Um, That's the kind a, of attack lo, moment Latour would attack. Yeah, you can, but it's a hard climb there. And then we have the brutal Anglerou, eleven or thirteen k's, nine and a half percent. But the final six k's are thirteen point three percent. You know, we've talked about tactics. But we're talking about bonus seconds, but if you crack badly on this, you can lose a lot of time, even though it isn't the hardest stage. Uh, who do you have, Benji? Alexander Vlasov. No. It's too long. He was good on Anglia last time. Was he? Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. What, what year? I don't remember. 21? 2020 on Angler, he came second, 16 seconds behind Carthy, same time as Mas and Carapaz. Roglic lost 26 seconds to... Huge Carthy. Like, Vlasov is not on Vingegaard level on paper. Vingegaard should on paper win this stage, but Vlasov. I don't see it because Roglic was stronger than him pretty much whenever he wanted to in Burgos, but this is a different climb to Lagunas to Naya. Uh, could the breakaway win this, or is it too short? I... No, I don't believe it. They're going to die on Angleru. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, hard to go past Vingegaard for this stage, assuming he's in good shape. So, yeah, uh, I pick uh, I pick Vingegaard. Hopefully, Enric Mas is in good shape because he went too early last time or before they used Andrews. So he's my saver, Mas. This is the climb where you will see the truth. I would say because yeah. oh, you've I got Tourmalet, you'll see it. You know, on Tourmalet, you can still play tactics, rolling attacks on Remco, for example. True. But I feel like on this climb, you will see whether. Even with the rolling attacks, this climb is hard enough that those won't necessarily matter in the end. True. If Remco's good enough, he's going to beat both of them here. If not, then he's not going to beat both enough. That sense made no sense anymore, but you know what I mean. Exactly. Like his, They're not going to attack him early on those early climbs. That's a terrible yeah. idea. So it's all going to be, yeah, you're right. Like, Who's the best on 15, 18, 20%? Uh, and the next day is kind of where those tactics could be in play. Brutal stage from Pola de Alande to La Cruz de Linares. This is a new climb they're using, 180 Ks. And man, the amount of altitude gain in this stage is brutal. I think over 4,000 meters in 180 Ks. And it's just cat ones all day. And, they have, and they're all irregular, like 5K, 7%, 10K, 8.5% with ramp bass in there, like at 11% sections for 10 minutes. Then another valley with up and downs, like 4K's 10% is just a blip in the middle of that valley. And then a bonus gate on top of the first rep of Linares, 8K's 8.5%, but there's a 5K 10.5% section. Descent, do a lap, come back, do it again for the mountaintop finish. A real nasty stage. I think almost like there could be... If you got decent legs, you can survive on the Anglerou. You might lose 25 seconds, but if you get dropped on that first rep of Linares or even on the 10% climb, this is a brutal stage. Yep. Juan Ayuso will win. Juan Ayuso, you say? Yes. I'm going with Joao. 
Almeida. <laughs> We've got a 1v1 in yeah, UAE 1v1. over here. <laughs> I'm going with Almeida. I think he comes okay. through uh, for this stage. But yeah, do you, do you think tactics? Like, this is where if yeah. Remco's still in the lead. I mean, or say anyone's in the lead. If you're on the, in the lead, this is a nasty old stage. Also, next to that, you've got the incentive to go on the second last climb already. So with the bonus gate on top, with stuff like that. Also, the terrain, the last climb not being the most decisive one in the first place. Yes, it's 8 kilometers, 8.5%, so it's going to be rough. But I feel like this is the kind of stage where they might go early. This is kind of like a, a Basque Country stage, not in Basque Country. This is yeah, not in Basque Country, right? No, no, I don't. No, no, I don't think so. I think it's in the north in, in Asturias. Um, yeah. It's a new Asturias climb. But yeah. you're right. Like, they could just kick it off on, on that climb with 90Ks to go. The uh, San Lorenzo, like that's hard enough. It, it's 10Ks at eight and a half percent with ramps. And you could have a guy ahead already because there's a long enough yep. period. There's 80Ks before there to get a guy an advantage as a satellite ride. It's a filthy stage and I, I really can't wait to watch it. Um, stage 19 from La Benetta <sighs> to Iscar. It's just a sprint stage, transition yeah. stage. Uh, and I'm just going to pick Milano again. Yeah, Milano as well. I feel like he's better at the end of a Grand Tour. I might have just made that up in my mind, but my mind says that's true. So we're going to go to stage 20 now. Manzanares, El Real to Guadarrama. Guadarrama. This is, uh, this is profile-wise my favorite parkour of this race. <laughs> really? As in, this <laughs> is just basically like the stuff that you used to cut wood. What was that? A saw. Sorted this is a saw. Profile. Exactly. We've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13 climbs on this parkour. <laughs> Sorry, but whoever drew this was drunk. <laughs> 208 kilometers long, too. It's a long stage for the Vuelta coming right at the end. Are these climbs hard enough, though, Benji? Like a lot of them average 4.2%, 8Ks 4%, 4Ks 6%, 5Ks yep. 5.5%. Is there enough in there? Like the final two climbs, 7.3Ks 4% and 4.5Ks 6.5%. Is that hard enough? Maybe the action is before. It has to be beforehand, no? It's they're kind of they're a nice difficulty where if you've been if you have a satellite rider and you're ahead, the satellite rider can really help you because if it's five k's ten percent, the satellite rider just slows you down. I think I said this on the on the Velta Reaction podcast. This feels like a raid stage without a clear ramp to launch yeah. on. Maybe there's a. You got to be careful sometimes with these welter profiles. That but one, there, yeah. there could be a one k section in one of these climbs. Local knowledge that's like a suit narrower than it looks, steeper than it looks too. Remco Evenepoel is a uh, is behind before the stage starts. Attacks with 120 kilometers to go. <laughs> I, I always want epic stage twenty. Vinci you know and Roglic look at each other, refuse to chase. <laughs> Almeida and Ayuso look at each other, refuse to chase. Aaronsman and Thomas won't work, and he rides away with the Vuelta. <laughs> I have Evenepoel for the... No, I had to use it for this stage, but I'm going to go for Evenepoel because this reminds me of the kind of Polonia stage back in the day where you went very early and I want to see something special. I'm going to go with uh, with Ayuso in a flat sprint. <laughs> okay. I think Ayuso in a flat sprint. Uh, final stage is a 100k procession stage in Madrid uh, with a little uphill kicker. I'm going to go with Herben Tyson to win this. No, I'm going Ghana. I think he's going to, Ghana's going to do a solo, another flyer. Uh, yeah, agree. Ghana. Okay, both got Ghana. I do like Remco for the previous stage too, but there, they're all the 
the profiles, the, the stages. If we had to pick out the most decisive stages people need to watch, Benji, I would say... Uh, well, first a of lot all, of them. Stage 8 and uh, stage 8 in particular in the first week, you, you can't hide on that sort of gradients. And even if there's a break, I think stage 8, but in particular 13, 14, 17, 18, and of course stage 20. So it's nicely spread out, and I think we'll also have an, a decent amount of action in week 1. I actually think it's a really nice parkour. Tr very typical Vuelta. Maybe the TT could have been 35Ks, 40Ks of flat. Uh, but, you know, to give Thomas a bit more, and uh, but yeah, it's got Rampass, it's got everything. I, I can't wait. Yep, me too. It's it's looking good, this parkour, and it's very difficult to predict in what form everybody's going to arrive at at this race. Even when it comes to Remco, his time trial was great, but when it comes to his climbing, we haven't seen his proper climbing in quite a bit. So I'm like, okay, will he be on point in that sense? Will he be at his race weight in that sense? Look pretty good in the interview when it comes to his sharpness. So that's going to be good. And Roglic, will he be able to step up from not being able to drop the likes of Lozov to being able to drop people in this race? Will Vingegaard be at his Tour de France level? There's so many questions like that. And the parkour is, it gives many options to try many things. But I also feel like the parkour is hard enough that the strongest rider might end up winning. Yeah, true. Like, okay, we can talk tactics all we want and say there is a raid stage and one minute's a lot and Remco or someone loses a minute on that raid stage. But if you win the TT, yeah. if you dominate on Angleru, if you drop people on Havalambre or Jorotecati or on Tourmalet, it doesn't matter. Like, you can take that time back and more. So, yeah. Yeah, but I'd love to see tactics play a role uh, as well, and it all depends on shape, particularly with Vingegaard. I think Roglic, we know, I'm pretty confident we know what Roglic's shape is. Like, he might be a little bit better than last year because of good prep, particularly in week one where he got dropped on Pico Hanna, mm -hmm. but Roglic just straight up dropping Ayuso and Remco on these climbs? No, I don't see it. Um, okay. Vingegaard's the wild card to, to me. Uh, we should go through KOM sprint jersey and uh, all the other jerseys, Benji. Youth jersey. Uh, Ayuso is my pick, but uh, if he has a problem, then Max Bull, I think, will take it. But Ayuso, I have to. Remco is not eligible anymore? Is he not? I, that's oh, what I'm is. asking you. Oh, no, Remco's eligible. Oh, well, fuck. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going for Ayuso, Ayuso either way. Oh, okay, I'll take Remco then. I was going to take Ayuso. Um, but wow, it's a, it's a really difficult... I mean, <laughs> Aronsman, Ayuso, Remco, Van Aetveld, Poole... It's a very nice young riders jersey competition. Yeah. Um, KOM, it is pretty stacked on that Tourmalet stage in particular. There's like, I think, two special climbs and a Cat 1, and that offers 20 points, no double points anywhere. I think, who do you think will take it? Um, hmm. Someone that has to get in the breakaway all the time. I don't think Lenny Martinez will just drop GC, even though he should. No. Oh, and Outerbrook's for youth, I forgot to mention. It could be someone... Like, I think it's a good target for someone like um, Wally Hagos, but hey, I think he should go for it on Jayco. I'm going for Bouchard. Bouchard, I think he's won it before. Yeah. Uh, in 2019, I'm going for uh, Kevin Vauquelin to win that uh, for yeah. Arke at Samzik. It's a worthy target for that team. And he also, yes. I, I'm not sure I picked him for a stage, but he could win a stage. 
uh, sprint jersey always <laughs> the, um, <laughs> funny. It's like Valverde won this a million times. <laughs> There's so many stages that offer like 30 points that sprinters yep. have absolutely zero chance to do well on like stage two. <laughs> um, so I'm going with uh, Froglich. Bring back green jersey Froglich. Oh, I love Froglich. Is the Froglich is the best Froglich. Like yeah, straight for sure. up with the with the mismatched arm warmers. Exactly. I don't want them in red. I want them in green. I want Froglich in there. So, uh, I want Froglich too. Though I, I'm gonna go for Ayuso. Ayuso. Mm, I think it's either Froglich or Milano walks it. I think Milano will dominate the sprints. Um. So I think Kenny also Roglic is so likely though. I know he can. He Fuck it, Froglich. I okay. have to do it. I was gonna pick someone else for the sake of it, but might nah, as well we... pick who I believe is gonna win that. So okay. Froglich will win. Uh, <laughs> will win the the points jersey. But then we come to the the big one, eh? the GC podium, starting with position three, two, two, one. I'll start because you yeah, definitely need to think about it. that, <laughs> and you always steal my picks, always. which I do not like. I do not like that. Third, Remco Evenepoel. Okay. Second, Jonas Vingago. First, Juan Ayuso. <laughs> See, I, how, Ving- how that will happen, I don't know. I've, compared it to was. the stage wins I selected, it makes zero sense. But I'll take I, it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, this must have... You look at me whenever I do my picks, like the Tour de France, where I put, put Yates. Um... I either think Vingegaard wins or doesn't podium. He's oh. either in he's either in like Paranese shape where he'll get smashed and you know he hasn't prepared well enough. And Ayuso, Remco, Roglic have all prepared super well, and Thomas, and, and no Marston count. So four other bank contenders they've prepared really well properly for this. And if you're not in top shape and he comes in that Paranese form, no chance. But if he's in his good form, I also think with that team. He's, there's, there's stages here that he can take time in in every week. So, um, but that's more a. The second would be strange, but maybe second year he came to third parent. Anyway, yeah, third. Man, I, I, my podium makes no fucking sense, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying. I, I'm trying to do a random one too to see who. who I, I'm going third. Enric Mas. Uh, second Hugh Carphy. No, no, no. <laughs> Third Mass, it's well to Mass, but there's a strong star list this year. I hope he doesn't crash out. I, yeah. and that's more, I, I hope he does well and gets something out of this season. So, Third Mass, second uh, Ayuso, and first Vingegaard. <laughs> I was expecting you to say first Almeida after saying second no. Ayuso. That would have been very odd. <laughs> I don't think many of the stages are that good for Almeida, to be honest. I agree. Um, Angliru might. As I I don't think he's good on steep ramps. He doesn't like getting it's out the, of the saddle. I think he likes the nine, eight to nine yeah. percent for ten k's. Not Angliru is ir- too hard. Yeah, and but also too irregular. If it was thirteen k's, nine percent, very steady, I think it'd be better. Yeah, he needs um, that ten kilometers, nine percent climb. Yeah, whereas a uh, Laporte. Laporte, yeah, like I don't know, low port, yeah. low port, <laughs> uh, or Blockhouse, or even Mortarolo is more consistent than than Angleru, so. Yeah, yeah. Or Segedi Ala, for example, where he was good. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, why do I have Vingegaard? Well, who do I have in second? Ayuso. Uh, I think the UA team super strong. I cannot see how UA don't get on the podium. The yeah. team is too is too strong. Uh, 
and with Soler and the Oliveira brothers and Vine, like Vine can, if you're having a bad day, like Vine on certain days can climb better than other GC contenders. And if Ayuso's on one and says, go for it. Or on Bondani, for example, we saw it in the Giro. Vine went for it. He put Roglic in, in the bin pretty much. And then yeah. Almeida did the rest. Um, but yeah. you spoke about white. We spoke about KOM. We spoke about green. We spoke about the red jersey. All those irrelevant jerseys. Who's going to get the LRCP jersey from the merch website? Shop.lanternrouge.com. It's happening. <laughs> <I'll tell> you, <laughs> yeah, who's going to be the... What's it? The Maglia Negra. <laughs> the, the, I think the last place is school like that. It gets the black jersey in the world. Yeah. yeah, make sure you check out the merch at shop.lanternrouge.com. We've got Tug Buddy. Who's going to be the best... Who's going to be the best Tug Buddy in this... <laughs> in this uh, Vuelta Espana? I'm going to go for... Yeah, who do you think will be the best domestic? I'm going to go for Tratnik. Um... Will Tratnik help Vingegaard if Roglic is out of GC? Slovenian compatriot. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to watch it. Do you think Ineos Benji, are we disrespecting them too much? Neither of us mentioned them. Why, why have you got Thomas and Aronsman not on the podium? Thomas and Aronsman, because I don't yeah. believe they're podium candidates here. I think they're top five candidates. Thomas, at least. Aronsman, I don't see on this parkour. I think it's too hard. I think a lot of these stages don't suit Thomas. He needs an attritional stage, like the third week of the Giro Bondone, Trecimi. He was Tourmalet. very, very good. Tourmalet could be good for him, but these punchy stages, Unipuertos, that's not his bread and butter, those watt per kilo tests. And I think he'll struggle there with the last 500 meters acceleration of everybody. He'll lose bonus seconds, maybe even get gapped on the road. But he could take it back in the TT and the other stages. Uh, but I'm really excited. This could be, this could be the Grand Tour of the year. Uh, like I'm not even like if it is a barnstormer. If, the year. if they if Remco, if, the century, the century is a lot. But if Remco is in like well beating shape and having to fix all these problems himself, and Ayuso and Almeida are in great shape, and Vine is leading them out, and Thomas and Aaronsman are aggressive, and then there's Roglic and Vingegaard. How will they work chemistry wise since the tour last year? I think it could be just outstanding. Um, and even Mas thrown into the mix too. And and I, I can't wait to also see. The, the emergence of Otterbrooks, of, of Max Poole, of Lenny Martinez, of Gregoire, Van Aedfeldt. I think there's a lot of young riders to really be excited about in this Vuelta too that I'll be watching uh, watching closely. So, or Volkelin too, and the Jayco team with Zana and Engelhard and Bohe. So, really, really excited for this Vuelta. And uh, that's all from us, I think, Benji. We'll round it off. We'll be in Barcelona uh, for the team's presentation this week, or at least I will be, but we'll be there for the TTT if you see us. Make sure to say hello. Uh, we'll obviously be wearing the merch. And uh, then we'll be back in Andorra for stage three. And thanks to your support during the Tour de France and afterwards, Benji and Luke will be here in Andorra for week one. We'll be doing some watch-alongs as well. So make sure you subscribe to the Ooh. LRCP YouTube channel to see the watch-alongs on certain stages, some of the uni puertos. And uh, yeah, thanks to Morton for partnering with us for this show and later in the Vuelta. We'll see you then. Ciao.